0: You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And, and today we have some
1: uh, wonderful special guests with us today, doing awesome things in this world. We have Ryan and Tammy Canaday. Uh, Ryan's a lead pastor at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Highlands Ranch uh, there in Colorado. And uh, Tammy is a mom mompreneur. Did I say that right?
2: Yeah, that's good. Yes.
1: Awesome. We're super glad to have you on. Uh, tell us a little bit you know, about your story and about yourselves and about what you guys are doing. Um, So I'm gonna hand it over to y'all. Tell us a little. Tell us that. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. We're honored to be here and uh, excited to be podcasting with you all. So thanks for having us. Um, I'll start, and Tammy can jump in wherever she sees fit to correct me. Um, So we're gonna tell y'all a little bit about our journey of starting, and this is scary to say these words because. Um, because I said I would never do this, and that is starting a church. Uh, in fact, there's been a few things I said I would never do in life, and uh, I'm learning to never say never because all of those things we said we would never do, they keep happening. Oh,
2: so,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> so we used to live in Denver, you know, in the, in the Denver proper, and one place we said we would never live is Highlands Ranch, Colorado. We would never live in Highlands Ranch. Uh, then we get appointed there. Uh, we said we would never have a minivan. And then that third kid came along and we had a minivan. We just sold that to get a scooter. So I ride around on a Honda Ruckus scooter. (laughs) So we downgraded or depending on how you look at it, maybe we upgraded. Uh, And uh, we said we would never start a church uh, because I just, I heard the stories. I know, I know what it takes to do a church and, um, and truth is I've I've been happy and comfortable for the last five years. So no, we don't, we, we have no business starting a church. Why would you do that? And here we are, embarking on the journey of starting a church. And so um, I think we'll start there because that's like the most, that's the biggest thing happening in our lives right now. Starting this church is called Free. And uh, it is a church for addicts. Um, Addicts of all kinds is what we're saying. And I'll get a little bit more into my story of why that's important. But addicts, um, loved ones of addicts, so people who aren't addicts, but they love people who are addicts. And then that other umbrella of spiritual refugees, people who have felt um, kicked out of the church. They feel like they don't belong. They feel like they're not welcome there. They don't even know what to do when they walk into the walls of a church. And that is so often, in my experience, so often connected and tied to issues of addiction.
2: It's those people that have had painful and negative experiences. And I have i have a few thoughts on that tier if you will when we get there so and part of my story that kind of intertwines into that third tier and second tier
3: so here's the deal maybe I'll start with um our story and why that's important and then jumping into uh, what we're doing and and Zach and Matt if you have if you need to pause along the way and and do some clarifying questions jump on in Um,
1: we'll we'll toss you some softballs every now and then
3: (laughs) yeah yeah make it make it hard on us there you go um so I was ordained in 2014, started campus ministry, man, back in seminary. So back in 2007, I was, uh, did the Wesley Foundation campus ministry at DU. In fact, it was pretty non-existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I came in, it was, it was kind of like building a church. It was, In fact, yes. campus ministry is like building a church every year. It yep. is some hard work, but I loved it.
1: It is, yeah. Uh,
3: but, you know, um, I, I grew up in a household, my brother was an addict. Uh, an alcoholic, drug addict. Uh, He was three years older than me and he got sober uh, for about two years and he was 22 years old at the time, sober for two years and he relapsed and in that relapse, he was killed. Um, He got behind the wheel of a car drunk and that didn't turn out well for him. Luckily, he was the only one uh, hurt and uh, killed. uh, Boy, that sounds weird to say, luckily. No one else was killed, is what I was trying to say. Um, So, you know, and and during my high school years in college, you know, like high school, I was a leader in the youth group. I was was looked at as the good kid. The addict was never supposed to be me. I mean, that stuff was my brother. Uh, So when I got into college, uh, after he died, um, I went to Bible school. I left. I, I left on a whim when i found out he was killed i just told the dean i'm out of here and i left in the middle of class packed up my dorm room went home and uh what happened soon after that was i started finding some comfort in the drink and it was it brought to me a bunch of shame it brought to me all this guilt because um like i said that was never supposed to be me that was him you know, I got a DUI in college, and I was studying biblical studies, and uh, so I had that shame, and then Tammy and I, we started dating in college, and we got married, and um, I went to seminary, and when I hit seminary, that's where I really, my drinking career took off, and uh, and it was always this great secret that I didn't want anyone to know. The ones closest to me experienced my addiction, right? They, they got the ugly side of my addiction, and and. and What came with that addiction was me working really hard to keep this a secret. No one could find out about it. And the truth is, I was new to it. I didn't know what to do with this. You know, I I thought, come on, God, how come I can't beat this? I'm I'm studying to be a pastor. Uh, And similar, I started, you know, doing campus ministry. Why can't I beat this addiction? I mean, why is it every night when I drive home, that liquor store just starts calling my name? And I go in there and I buy... It started with half pints, then pints, and then, uh, you know, in, in my drinking career, I tried to give up booze, and then I would give up wine and just do beer, then I would uh, give up uh, brown liquor and just do white liquor, and that's where it ended for me, is, is sitting on a couch with a, uh, a fifth of vodka, you know, that's, that's how I like to drink, I like to drink alone, I like to isolate, I didn't like to deal with my pain, I didn't like to deal with the wounds, I like to drink over it. Um, so... Yeah. You have anything to add to that before I jump into I, getting I, sober? I mean, I've
2: heard the story so many times, yeah. guys, but I still like have flashbacks into those moments and those times. And even I was working, um, and I would have to get up four thirty some morning. So I, I'm going to bed and he's staying up on the couch. And so I'd go to the liquor bottle that he was currently working on and I'd put a permanent marker line of where it was when I went to bed because I knew. I'm going to go, be responsible, get up, do my job while he stays up, he drinks. And in the morning, I'd make a comment. He's like, I didn't drink that much. And I'd take the bottle and go and show him, well, I actually made a mark where, he's, where you were when I went to bed. And there's quite a dent right. that you made in that liquor bottle. So it was a ongoing cycle for quite some time. Um, and truly, I was so naive to even the process of all of this it. something new to me, um, being around and um, learning how to truly love uh, an alcoholic, but yeah, it was never an option, I guess, for me, because I feel like we both have shown each other so much grace on our journey at different times in our lives, and it wasn't an option for me to leave him, but there was a lot of anger and resentment that was starting to bubble up inside,
3: you know we had a um I got sober when our oldest daughter she's now going to turn eight next week she was two years old um, and so it was a this real fear of what's ryan gonna be like as a dad me that I couldn't be a dad because of drinking and uh you know, I tried to get sober once and uh, tried to do it on my own. And I'm going to give this stuff up. And I actually got a sponsor through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And About a couple months in, I told him, hey, man, I, I think I'm good. I think I got this. I was weighing 251 pounds. I was fat. Uh, started dropping some pounds. And I said, man, I got this. I'm good. And uh, it lasted for about five months before I was right back to where I started. Um, which leads me to uh, January 7th, 2013. Thank God for that day. Yeah, it was a, a, one of the hardest days of my life, and also one of the best days of my life. It was new life. It was resurrection for me. Um, but I passed out on the couch, uh, and you know what was, was so interesting about this day it was Sunday night. Uh, my last drink was a Sunday night, and on that Sunday night, it was just like any other Sunday night. Nothing bad happened. Nothing great happened. I led worship, uh, preached, I prayed with people. And uh, started to drink that night, and I didn't stop. I passed out on the couch like I had so many other nights. And Tammy came down the stairs holding an empty liquor bottle, and she said, um, uh, what are we going to do? And she had tears in her eyes, and she was holding this bottle that I thought I had hidden well enough, but apparently did not hide well enough. And uh, she said, what are we going to do? And Selah, our daughter, couldn't wake you up off the couch again last night, and she was saying, poppy. And she was like, hit me on the head and I couldn't wake up. And uh, so I said, well, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to call our marriage counselor. We did marriage counseling a few years before. I'm going to call her and, um, and, and, and I'm going to work through this thing. And I call her, I said, Sue, I've got this problem with alcohol. I can't stop drinking and uh, I need to set up an appointment with you. And she said, Ryan, I would love to see you, but first you need to be involved in some sort of support group. And I said, what do you mean? And she says something like AA. And so I hung up the phone and I was really pissed off. And I told Tammy, um, I said, Sue won't even see me. And Tammy says, come on. And I said, seriously, she won't see me. She said, what'd she say? And uh, I said, well, she said I had to do something like AA before she'd see me. And Tammy said, so you're going to go, right? And so that day I went to an AA meeting and I got a sponsor. And uh, I started working these steps. And I started getting real and honest with myself. And I started connecting to other people who had, uh, the same problem as me. And what happened was when I sat in those rooms of, of, of a 12 step meeting, I would hear the stories from people and think, Oh my goodness, you are just like me. And I had met, I thought I was all alone in this, you know, I thought no one else is like me, but what I see is all these other people are like me and we do it together. We journey together. We get honest together. And uh, you know, that was five and a half years ago. And I experienced and keep experiencing this God of grace and uh, and this God of incredible mercy and this God who, when I surrender, like right, this God is open arms and always welcoming me back home and um, relationships have gotten better. This, this God has removed the obsession of alcohol for me, which I thought was never possible. I just thought this can never go away. And, and this God full of love and grace and mercy removed the obsession. I don't know how it happened. Uh, it's one of the great
2: mysteries, but, um, it was God, it wasn't me. And I do, I have to say, thank goodness too, for that. because um, for me, a major detail of all that was, it was January, January mm-hmm. and it was a month before our second baby girl was born. And so we had a, a pretty candid conversation and I let Ryan know if, if you are not sober at that moment, when I go into labor, there will be some consequences. I don't know what that's gonna look like, but if I have to reach out and call somebody else to take me to the hospital to deliver our baby girl, there will be some some conversations that will be had. <laughs> and so, right. uh, you know, when he says, thank God for January 7th, I, I too am just um, right on board and say, thank God so much for, for that, um, that he was sober, to drive me to have Shiloh that he was sober to drive me to have Breck and he will be sober to drive me to have baby number four that by the way is oh, you just to went away. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're not really celebrating it. It was kind of a surprise. So thanks Zach for your celebration you. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of be excited, but we Yeah gonna... see I got this tattoo
3: that says three <laughs> blessings. Right.
1: <laughs> We thought we
3: were done. At were
1: three, done right. the um, Well, I, I've got the same same type of thing. I took my kids. I've got three. Uh, I took their stuffed animals they had, like, when they were a little bitty, and and had my tattoo artist put them together. And and so I have those, and their names are on the tag, that kind of thing. My wife said what if we have a fourth? I'm like, we're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we had that conversation. Yeah. That we it. had, like, yeah.
2: checked all the boxes to make it not happen. And, and he talks about surrender. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. – form of surrender especially for yeah. me at this point right now for so sure. I'm learning a new way to define surrender in my life
1: right, right. well bless uh, you that's yeah <laughs> it's exciting yeah. and scary all at the same time
3: <laughs> yeah, remember how i said never say never we were never gonna have four
2: kids
3: right right right.
1: right. how's uh, that working for me it's uh we're okay right now <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. I used to tell, I did campus ministry for a few years, and I used to tell my uh, my college students, I said, never pray for patience. Because uh, that's when God gives you children, right? <laughs> and uh, we had our third kid uh, when I was at that Wesley Foundation, and I, we were doing Joys and Concerns or something. And I said, which one of you prayed for me to have more patience? It's your <laughs> fault. <laughs>
3: um, so that all leads to um – to, to us starting a church, I know that was a long story for getting yeah, yeah, that was great. Uh, what happened along the way in these last five and a half years in, in this life of sobriety is, um, and I keep running into people like me, and I keep running into um, people who crave a spiritual connection, uh, people who crave a, a spiritual community, like people who crave a church but don't want a church. You know what I mean? Uh, people who have no patience and tolerance for um for doing surface stuff for keeping things up here when it comes to uh the god business they want to go deep and they want to go fast and deep and uh, because it truly is for people like me for for addicts it's a life and death situation it's not when, when we do our worship thing when we do the church thing it's not just coming to uh together and sing pretty songs. It's actually staying spiritually fit is a life and death matter for us. Um, so we wanted to create space, um, create space for uh, recovery. And we're very clear, we are not a recovery group. There are great 12-step programs and I want to promote those. I want, the goal is that 12-step programs would, would be huge because of this thing. I mean, that would be a dream of, of mine at least, but um, we want to create space to promote recovery, spiritual connection and healing. Uh, we want to create the space for people to experience what it's like to be free. Uh, because in my experience, in my observation, people aren't free. I mean, we walk around with these huge burdens. We walk around with these chains, and we walk around trying to impress God and trying to, to get God on our side. And it's like God the whole time is saying, I'm, all, I'm already on your side. Like, all I have is yours. Do you want it? I mean, you can have this. You can have all of this, but you got to come and take it because you're free. Um so we um, – it, it was actually on my birthday this year, so April 3rd. And I went to bed that night, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it out loud and put it out to the universe, and I'm going to leave it.
2: He always like <laughs> like going to bed. But, guys, let me just correct him again. It's like 1, one o'clock in the morning. Right. Like we have these profound, like, visions in the middle of the night when we're half asleep. but. <laughs>
0: it always happens that way for him <laughs> right that's how this podcast started is a late <laughs> night, uh, a late night uh, xbox binge and saying hey let's do this and the next thing i know i'm buying i'm clicking and buying a website and <laughs>
3: see <laughs> yeah so we were laying in bed and i just i just said hey i'm not getting any younger we're not getting any younger i, I get it we're not getting old but we're not getting younger and um this thing we we had talked about this thing in the past. What would it be like to create this? No, no, no we're too busy, we're happy, we're good, we're comfortable, um we don't need to create a new thing. Uh, but I just said it that night like, what would it be like for us to create it? And we were not calling it a church at the time. We tried to call it a spiritual community, a <laughs> faith community, a, a thing. You know, and a thing doesn't get you very far. But through meetings with other people, they're like, yeah, this, this sounds like a church. This sounds like a gathering of people. And you believe in, like, the power of Jesus and the power of surrender. And, and you're going to gather to get, yeah, that sounds like a church. And so we just had to get comfortable. With, yeah, okay, we're starting a church. That's it. We're starting a church.
2: Um, So, um, I think we had to start exploring then, like Ryan touched on, who is this going to hit? Because (laughs) at first, Ryan said, we should say this church church is not for everyone. He's like, ooh, that's not very welcoming. But the point, (laughs) you do have like a niche in who you're trying to reap. And so, like Ryan mentioned, the three tiers, if you think of it like a Wi-Fi signal the closest one to the Wi-Fi signal are the addicts. Um, and that would be very much Ryan's story. And then the second tier would be the loved ones of addicts, which would be very much my story. And then the third tier are those spiritual refugees. And man, we, we, that third tier, Ryan and I were like, what are we gonna call it? We messed around with that third tier for a couple of months, like changing the language, changing what we wanted to identify it as. What specifically are these people? And the more we played with it, the more it made sense, especially when it came to my story, um, that it had to be the spiritual refugee. Uh-huh. And so to go into my, my story this year just a little bit more, um, I was in the corporate world for almost 15 years and a couple of years ago decided to quit because our family was growing and um, I, there's other things that we wanted to do. We, we find that we work pretty well together. So Ryan and I were leading groups um, one very specific one that we kept repeating was called Why. And so after we did this Why group, Brian and I decided to write a book together called Whiteboarding Your Why and have done retreats with it. Um, we just invested a lot of time and, and energy into, into doing this book. Um, And so that was a huge, a huge piece of, I guess, probably half of a year for for us, especially for me as I was editing and putting this thing together. Um, And then I joined a a religious organization. And so that was for, for a while, but really for four months that I was on board um, with them. And it came to early this year in February uh, and I won't go into all the details because it wouldn't be appropriate, but they, they sat me down and were curious what my stance was on gay marriage and homosexuality. And so I had to be honest and, and share, even though I felt like they, they kind of understood and, and Ryan had done sermons on this and I felt like they knew. And it was at that point they said, well, it's kind of like your opportunity to say you have a different opinion than your husband. And I said, I don't, I don't think that gay rights, gay marriage, any of that is a sin. And they, they said, we're going to immediately let you go. And so um, at that point, I think it was when I realized the important, I, I know the importance of community, but I truly acknowledged um, and so respected and appreciated our congregation, our church, because if it wasn't for that, I mean, I, it was immediate. I got kicked off of everything, all my rights and privileges and my laptop that I had. It was gone. Uh, people sent nasty notes, mean things. And that that community was just, I mean, within 24 hours history to me. And truly, if, I, if I'm honest, I, I did feel like a spiritual refugee. I felt left out. I felt kicked out. I felt kicked in the stomach. It was hard. These were people that I, I loved dearly and I thought loved me back. And it sure didn't feel that way. When we say we love all people, guys, it didn't feel that way. <laughs> Just by sharing an opinion. And the outpouring of love and grace that our congregation at St. Luke's showed me. I don't know how I could have survived that without that community and that connection that they provided to me after that experience. And so that was so profound that Ryan, I kept mulling over the third tier. I'm like, that has to be the third tier because there are so many other people not that are feeling this way. And I am not myself homosexual. Of course, me and Ryan have been married for over 13 years, but man, if these people are feeling what I felt times, whatever number, whatever amount that they're feeling that, I want them to come and hang out with us. Like, guys, I know how you feel just on the tiniest scale and know that truly you are loved and we do love you and you are welcome. So that's a big, a big part of my ministry too.
3: And the message we would give to spiritual refugees and the addict that's still struggling, I mean, is still suffering, alcoholic or drug addict or any addiction is that, God loves you no matter what, and God is always inviting you to come back home. God is always inviting you to a better, fuller kind of life. Like, that's a message. Sometimes we in the church, we, yeah, 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 we get that. That's a message that never gets old. It's a message that never runs dry. It's a message that we need to be um, not just proclaiming with our words, but actually living out to say, you're actually welcome here. And it doesn't mean you're welcome and we want to try to get you to see life our way and get you to see God our way, but you're welcome here because we actually believe that God loves you. Like, that's a powerful thing. I've got to be reminded of that.
1: Right. I I love, you've you now told your story. You were just talking about spiritual refugee and and, and I I love that. Um, Hanging out in some of the places that I hang out, I see a lot of that. Um, I've got a little town, well, my smallest church or one of my small churches, I pastor three and, uh, it's in a town of like 150 people and, uh, it's the church, the bar and the post office and the co-op, right? Those are the only things that are in town and, uh, hang out at the bar quite a bit and people who are members of my, I've met as many members of my church in the bar than I have in church. And, uh, I've met so many people who... And, you know the the people who came before you the pastors who came before you didn't do you any favors you know we haven't been back since we graduated high school we haven't been back because of this and it's that that spiritual refugee is there i mean so many yeah. people feel that way and to, and to name that is huge uh and to name it in such a way that's like oh here we are okay you know this is what we're this is who we are encountering and that's a real thing uh and to be able to to hit that head first and, and name it like you said it, it's so important to say just to give that message of god loves you and i truly believe that <laughs> you know and i love you and i believe yeah. that come come be here you know um huge yeah. yeah
2: and i gotta tell you like for me and my background and where i come came from where i come from uh, that for me was very much breaking my silence like it took everything in me to to do that i can't tell you like I was sweating. I was nervous. And then Ryan's like, man, you got to do a post on this. And I was like, oh my word. I'm a peacemaker guys. I'm an Enneagram type nine. Like I do not I don't need to stir the waters anymore. Like I stirred the waters enough today. I feel awful. And Ryan's like, you have to, you have to post this. You have to share what happened, why you did it. We're very much the why, why, why people asking those questions. And I, I mean, I literally was just like shaking so bad when i hit post and i shared what happened um with that organization and, and, and why um, but the freedom that came with breaking my silence and i think the freedom that came for ryan and breaking his silence we keep seeing this theme and that's kind of our underlying theme um, that's go, that goes along with free so that's i think when we we're like yeah. what are we doing here what is our mission it's all about breaking the silence, Breaking silence of addiction, of whatever that might be for me. It was in recovering myself of who I truly am inside and sharing my opinion of where I stand on that issue, because there's nothing that would have allowed me to share that um, before that moment. And I had to break my silence to be true to who I, who my authentic self is.
3: Yeah. You know, another thing we noticed was um, just in the last less than 12 months about the last 10 months we've had uh, connected to st luke's five deaths all under the age of 40 uh five deaths of addiction due to drug and alcohol abuse drug and alcohol addiction um and so that was one of the things that said "Man, we've gotta we, can, we kept taking these risks in our lives and, and and that's something in the canada household we take that very seriously we are going to take risks and we are going to have each other's backs that's like a covenant we have we're going to keep taking risk. We're not gonna just stop and do what's comfortable. Um and when we do it, we're gonna have each other's back in it. Like we've had to make that agreement with each other. Um, but that was kind of the that was the um another thing that happened was just those deaths that kept coming up and it's like, yeah, people are actually dying over this stuff. Like in the church is in my mind to, to be in the places of death, that's where we experience life. That's where we actually experience resurrection. Um and so what we did was we put together this leadership team of 12 people. Uh I flew out to a place called Montana and went to uh went to a church planting conference and I was in conversation, actually I had a conversation with the bishop and our, our DS and the church higher-ups and they were very they've been very supportive of this. Uh, so we put together a leadership team uh while we were the three days before annual conference this year, so June, whatever that was, first week in June. Uh, one of the guys on our leadership team um, I got a call, and he died that night with a needle in his arm, died of a heroin overdose. Uh, and we particularly very specifically picked people on our leadership team, some church people, some new in recovery, some old in recovery um, but that's the reality we deal with is man if you when you disconnect when you isolate death is is a real um, is a real thing and when we come face to face with that so it was almost like uh this message became really clear like yeah keep going because this is important work and so what we did was um we flew out to houston we talked to a couple churches there some ministries doing some great um recovery ministry and we just said let's start a four-week pilot group so we started that four weeks ago we are just four weeks into this thing here it is uh what middle of july we're four weeks in and uh We thought we might have 10 people in our backyard. We didn't do space for this. We didn't have it in the church. We had it in our backyard. We thought maybe we'll get 10 people. We'll see what happens. The first week we had, uh, I think, 25. The second week we had 30. Third week, 35. Last week we had 40. And that was just through promoting on social media. We haven't done any connection with uh, area churches, rehab centers, uh, 12-step groups, because the truth is our backyard is a bit limited. <laughs> so um, we were going to take a break after the four weeks and everyone like those 40 people said, no, we can't do that. We've got to keep going. There's momentum and energy here and it's bringing in this first group of people. Uh, we have a, an, actually a, an atheist on our leadership team, which people said, what the heck are you guys thinking? An atheist on a church leadership team. Um, and maybe he's, he's kind of, maybe wouldn't describe himself as a full atheist now. He just has no church experience. But last week he said, "Man, what's happening here?" gave me goosebumps. And we read scripture. We pray together. In our leadership team, we pray together. Um, so I'm just reminded of what happens when we truly step out into what God is calling us to do. It's uh, it's not easy. It's really scary. Uh, we it, this thing has been scary for us because it's like, dang, we're we, we have this good thing over at St. Luke's. is a great church. and a great congregation. It's that we're unhappy at all. It's just that I've got this calling, and we've got this calling, and um, part of part of this following Jesus stuff says yes. Yeah, sometimes you step off the familiar path and you step into the unknown, and that can be um, really scary.
2: You know, and I think when we decided to do the four-week pilot, uh, it really was just to get a feel for what we we're doing and get some feedback from the community and from our leadership team. And we had a conversation, I guess a week or two ago, and somebody made a really profound statement. They're like, "We have to keep going. The momentum's there, and the people that are coming to free have already, in a way, felt a sense of abandonment. And we can't do that to them. We cannot be another group, church, whatever we are, (laughs) that is going to be abandoning these people. And it, for me, that just like hit me to my Mm -hmm. core, because." in my way. And like I shared and just a tiny bit of my story, I, I've been there. I, I get that. So let's keep going. So we have, we, we are continuing to move forward. Um, our leadership team is stepping up and, and helping us and helping us create oh, this space.
3: Huge. It's
2: huge. Uh, but yeah, we're excited. We're excited for the journey. And God knows what's ahead of us and outside of these four weeks and what we had planned. But yeah. Like you, you follow where the energy is, and, and we talk about that even in, in our book, where the energy is. Where is the flow? You have to follow it, because that's where God is working.
3: And so well, what we know right now is, and, and I'll end with this, because you all might have questions, and uh, and we've probably been babbling quite some time now, but um, uh, we're, we're figure, figuring out logistics on, along the way with our St. Luke's congregation and what this looks like, because we were thinking this was just a side thing for a while, but it's like, it's not a side thing anymore. It's a real thing. Um, And so what that looks like for my position, uh, what that looks like for getting space, we're looking at um, right now as we speak, I have no clue where we'll be when this thing airs. I don't know when this will air, but you know, we're in different meetings to uh, look at, there's a grease monkey up the street and it's got the double bay garages and it would be like the perfect setting for like raw and organic things to happen. So, Uh, We're looking at leasing some of that space. And, um, you know, we're trying to stay, I'm learning in this process to stay open. Sobriety has taught me that if I live with these clenched fists and trying to hang on everything and control everything, it doesn't go well. I start losing my peace. I start losing serenity. So what God says is, hey, live open and see what happens. So that's where we are right now, going into our fifth week. I mean, this thing is so brand new. Y'all are getting us right at, like, the beginning of it so you know be yes. cool to see in a, in a year from now where where it is i mean there's a chance the whole thing could fail right i mean there's always that thing when you do something new it could fail
1: right, right. well, well it, and, and that's the thing you talk about risk if 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 a risk going into something isn't failure we didn't dream big enough right we're, we're not we're not maybe we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing we've got to have that right. risk there uh and not be afraid of it Um, And I've been watching you guys do this over the last four weeks on, on Facebook. I've been super creepy about it. And, um, but, but it's because you're doing (laughs) something that that people need. And clearly if, if you're thinking, Hey, we're going to try this for four weeks and holy crap, we have 40 people showing up. Um, we, I mean, we live in a world that, that, you know, whether it's recovery or therapy or just getting help in general is not, not overly promoted right? We, we do it in some spaces and things like that, yeah. but it's still kind of a shameful thing or something we kind of hold on to and keep secret. And, and for you guys to be open about that and say, hey, here we are, come please. You know, uh, we all need help. Uh, we all need this space that we can yeah. kind of be open and free and, and, and to provide that space. Obviously, it's something that your community, if not every, it, it's every community, but you found that place in your community that says, oh God, we need this. All of us need this. Yeah.
3: And and can I just say, we're in the suburbs. Um, You know, people, when they think of addiction issues, they think, well, inner city. Of course, it's a problem in the inner city. It's a problem everywhere. But here we are in the suburbs, Douglas County, one of the wealthiest counties in the U.S. And what happens here is we have this suburban sickness where I can pull in my garage, and before I even get in the, in the house, I can close my garage and I never have to connect. I never have to do community. And so I can wear this mask and hide my addiction and isolate. And so that's why for us, it's really important to break the silence, to start talking about these issues because it is now a national epidemic. Opioids, heroin, a national epidemic as of last year. Uh, alcoholism in the suburbs, skyrocketed i mean addiction issues in the suburbs are a huge problem right now that's why people say they always ask us well don't you want to be downtown denver no 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 we want to be right here in the suburbs because the problem is here too and it manifests itself in different ways
0: so um i mean you guys are still in your infancy and and so um your church has um kind of probably been walking alongside with you in this right um in a sense of just hey we're here for you um have you had any kind of negative response on that i mean i know i mean i don't want to like this is such great positive energy but i know that there's got to be someone's probably said something to you all um have you ever have you in this time have you experienced any negative <laughs> about that
3: no not at, all. <laughs> not at
0: all
3: yeah that's a great question and uh Again, so let me preface it with this our, our congregation is is great supportive um, and yet yeah, there's been some hard questions along the way and part of it is totally my fault because I get this vision and um, I go full speed and I forget that good leadership is actually slowing down and bringing the people with you so uh, if this were if this podcast were to take place in another couple of weeks I might have more insight. I'm in the midst of being told, uh, Ryan, you've, you've got to slow down. It's like slow things down a little bit and bring people with you. Uh, no one has said anything to my knowledge. Uh, no one's got any negative attitudes towards the ministry itself because, like I said, we've had five years of young people in addiction. It's a huge problem. Everyone realizes that. So it truly is. I do believe they see the need for it, but it's how we go about um, starting new ministries and new churches. Um, I've got to be reminded all the time to, um, to, to walk, not, not slow down completely, but slow down enough to, uh, get the message out let people know what we're doing. Uh, not try to do it on my own. I mean, these are all as a recovering alcoholic, these, these are old tendencies. I'm just going to go because I've got the answers and I know how to do it and screw you. If you don't, no, 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 that's all. That's BS. Bring people with you. Because they want to be involved, they want to be a part of this thing. They want to contribute. Yeah, they want to contribute. So it's all good stuff, but it's um, it's it's stuff I have to be reminded of.
1: It is. I'm I'm a very much a, a ready fire aim type of person. Uh, of okay, we we need to do this. Mm-hmm. We need to feed kids in our community. Well, how are we going to do it? I don't know. We're just going to go do it, and then we'll figure it out later. Uh, and and so I very yeah, much yeah. I have to remind myself of. People want to come with you, you know, and, and just say, hey, I don't have all the answers, but let's go and try to figure this out. Because uh, if not, we'll talk it to death, you know. Because that, that's my yeah. other fear of, God, we know this thing needs to happen, but we're just going to talk and talk and talk and talk and then never do anything. Uh, and then, then I react on the other end of, I'm just going to go and uh, do it and then we'll figure it out later. Uh, so, yeah, I totally identify yeah. with that. <laughs>
0: Well, and I have a, I mean, I, my issue is I'm always like, I think I'm clear, but I'm not clear. <laughs> like, like, can you yeah. see what I'm seeing? Like, <laughs> um, and, and I think in my community, um, we have a, uh, there's a minister alliance group that um, for years did this backpack, kids got backpack school supplies every year. Well, like two weeks before we started raising our funds that we traditionally raised, they said, we're not going to do that this year. So then I was like, all right, well, church, we're going to take up, and we're going to make sure that elementary kids get basics back-to-school supplies. Uh, we're going to do 200, and I don't care who's with me. I'm going to make sure it's done. And then I didn't realize, like, I really should say, "Hey, I want you to come be a part of me and with this as we do this for our community." Um, and it's been fun because we've um, one of the big things I like doing is is partnering and bringing the church to other organizations and saying, "Hey, you know, we have this facility. Um, you all do something. Let's work together so we can." You know, I've got a huge campus that could definitely do a lot of different things. And so just trying to get people to understand in our in our, in our our church to say, hey, you know, they're not going to come to us. We need to go to them. And so as,
3: right.
0: as you were talking, you know, I live, I live, um, you know, the, the Cherokee Nation was one of the first uh, groups or towns or organizations to sue the pharmaceutical companies for um, opiate addiction and um you know it's huge here um and so the hard part is is that we have so many christian organizations that are doing some kind of addiction ministry and some of it has been very hurtful that if we were to start something then that the skepticism would be there of saying well you know so-and-so at church down the street just did that and you know they told us we have to come to jesus or we're you know we're never gonna get better and you know i mean there's just been so much hurt out there with yeah. those um and that's i think um, what you're trying to do, you know, is a great, you know, um, I think that's something that God has to put on an individual's heart to do. I don't think that that's something like, you know, those churches or those people that might be listening, you know, yeah, it's a great idea, and every community could benefit from something like this. But you really need to find the right people uh, who God has called and and said to go and do this, to equip them to go do this, instead of just saying, "Hey, let's just do this," because um, and I think far too often we we do yeah. that. Um, and, and so like, you know, I was listening to your story Man, your story is just so powerful. And, and, um, you know, as, as you guys continue on that journey, you know, I, I think God's going to continue to bless you as long as you remain faithful to God. And, um, you know, I think there's going to be a day when you turn around your backyard, it's going to be just full of people. And you're going to wonder, like, you're going to be screaming your head off because you like the overwhelmingness of this is not what we're ready for, but yet God, is going to provide for you and and maybe even a space and all that stuff. I mean, I just can see it and sense it. And, and I I pray that you continue to be faithful to God and um, may God be with you on your journey. And thank you for your time today.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for that. So is there, is there anything else that you guys want to kind of let us know, uh, talk about, you know, is there any more in your journey? Uh, I, I can't wait to see, we're going to have you guys back on and, and break you know break this down again in six months and say, here we are, you know? <laughs> um, because I, I like I said, I've very shamelessly watched you guys on Facebook do this and it's, and it's amazing. Um, and I, I, love, I love it because it gives me hope that, oh my God, we can do stuff. You know, we can be productive in the church and bring love and grace to people no matter where we are. Uh, and it's yet again, another example of, it doesn't matter what four walls or what backyard or where you had this stuff, when you, when you go faithfully into these spaces and gather people uh, with God's love and grace, amazing things happen, lives change. And, uh, and so, yeah, shamelessly watching you guys. And so is there any, anything else you guys wanna, wanna let us know about, about your story, about, about free, about anything?
0: I know that's a loaded question. So <laughs> <I was laughs> you just asked a preacher a question that he could talk. <laughs> yeah. I know.
1: Do you have time? For this? Uh, <laughs> actually,
3: there, it is a theological response for me, and I'll say it really briefly. Uh, you know, it's I, I'm reminded of that story of Abraham in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham being called Abram at the time, being called to do this new thing, to step onto a new path. And you have these three beautiful words, I think it's verse three, don't quote me on it, I think it's verse three, Uh, so Abram went, and I would, hate if I, when I look at my life, I want, I want to be able to say that, so Ryan went, so Tammy went, Uh, when we get called to these new things, that we don't just, ah, no, it's not comfortable, man, that's scary, Um, what if it rains, I mean, that's a really practical question for us every week, like, Oh my goodness. this, clouds, this What if it rains? Um, so Ryan wins, like we don't get bogged down with all those questions and trying to figure it out. I, that's my tendency, but I've got to be reminded. So we went because we were called to do a new thing. And this is what being faithful uh, for us in our minds. This is what being faithful looks like. It's not to get trapped in all the, all, all the negative what ifs, but it's like, Okay, God, we, we sense it, we're gonna go. And we know that you're going with us. We know that you're leading us. So there's some so thank you for your blessing, Matt. That was a, a, yes. a beautiful blessing for us to be reminded of. Thank you for that.
2: We need that. We you know, we forget how often we need to hear those things, but we do. So yeah, we appreciate you guys and your encouragement.
3: Yeah. Well we'd love to come back on and another few months or whatever and and see where this thing is because it would look really different than it I bet it looks really different than it looks right now. Right. And uh, we're excited for
1: that. Yeah. No, we'd love to have you guys on anytime. I mean, you have an open invitation. Just whenever you want to come on, let us know and, and we'll have you on. Because <laughs> I think this is such a powerful story. And, it, and, and for those who are listening, it does carry a lot of weight to say, oh, here's who I am. You know, I, I, need, I need to find this place, or, or I, I know somebody who needs a place like this. How do I get them in touch, you know, and, yeah. and that's just what we're trying to do, um, is create that space for people to have these conversations and be truly honest with who they are and where they are in life, with God, with people, with whomever. And, uh, you know, you guys are creating such a beautiful space for, for that conversation to happen. Um, and I love it.
0: Um, yeah. So um, to kind of bring it to a close, uh, we want to encourage all of our listeners to go uh, on the social medias and all the different ones that we are a part of. And, and, you know, when this episode airs, you know, please feel free to share it uh, with friends because their story is powerful. We encourage you to share it with a friend that you may know need to hear this or hear um, maybe this might be a special calling or a call uh, in your life and encourage you to do that and share that and connect with us. Um, you know, we're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, twitter whatever other ones that we have we have a website and all that other crazy stuff too um but uh we thank you our listeners for listening uh, don't forget to go on our website and um you know buy some t-shirts and stuff um great gifts for any holiday or any kind of a uh, dad gift that you need—it it works really well. Or if you know, if you want to buy your mom a bearded theologian's T-shirt, that would go really well. I'm sure she'd laugh and 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 be weirded out at the same time as well. Uh, we thank you, our listeners, for listening. And so, for the bearded theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. We hope you've enjoyed the conversations that we've had today on the Bearded Theologians Beardcast, and we would encourage you to continue those conversations online at beardedtheologians.com or on our Facebook page. We also hope that you pick up a couple of coffee mugs to uh, satisfy your coffee mug collection. Have a good day.